Hello and welcome into the Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue of Big Ten Network, and we are back, dropping new episodes of the Take 10 Podcast. Take a look, listen, and enjoy. Look at here, look at here. With the catch, the finish! Oh my goodness, what a catch! Oh Energy, my goodness. enthusiasm. Oh, it's This episode features Malcolm Hill of Illinois. He's our first guest back really this summer since we went on a hiatus, uh, kind of unplanned, you know, nothing really behind it other than it was summer, nothing much going on in the Big Ten. We took a break for a month or two, but now we're back to drop a new episode. Hope to continue to do so as we move along and football season fast approaches. So we got Malcolm Hill on this episode, like I said at the top, former Illinois star, Third all-time leading scorer at Illinois, and a guy who was getting an opportunity with the New Orleans Pelicans in their summer league coming up. I believe this weekend or early next week uh, is when they start hooping, so uh, definitely be watching, and he will fill us in more about that opportunity. We're also welcoming back Harold Shelton to the show. He is always on pretty much every episode of Take 10 Podcast nowadays. Um, we're going to catch up, kind of talk all things summer that happened in the Big Ten. Um, a lot of news, really, especially with the pushback deadlines of the NBA draft, and uh, we got to see where guys ended up from the Big Ten and the NBA last week. Big news on football recruiting, especially with Ohio State, and um, we got the football season coming up real quick. So a lot to talk about, a lot to catch up on. We'll chop up with H like we normally do. We'll get to Malcolm Hill first, like I said. And that interview starts right now. All right, I'm very pleased to be joined by Malcolm Hill, former All-Big Ten basketball player at Illinois, the third all-time leading scorer at Illinois, all-time great. Malcolm, it's great to see you, man. Back in the uh, the old days, we were running around at U of I. How you been? What's going on? Things have been good, bro. No, it's good seeing you, too. Good talking to you. Um... I'm a, I'm a different guy from college, that's for sure. Um, things have been great personally, just day by day, being able to get a routine and consistently follow through and add on to it day by day. Um, over the past year, I've been doing that, and, you know, it's, it's carried me a long way, so nothing but blessed, man. Yeah, it's great to hear. And just catch us up, if you could, especially for Illinois fans watching and listening who maybe saw you for the last time in the TBT in summer 2020, uh, followed your stops along the way, but maybe haven't kept up with each and every stop. Take us through your pro career, where you've been, and, and what's ahead. Yeah, so um, so far I've been to the Philippines, Germany, played in Kazakhstan, and just this past year I was in Israel. Um, the Philippines and Germany was my rookie year, and I've also done summer league with the Jazz and the Thunder. Um, this past year in Israel, this past year in Israel over the year, um, that was a good year. Um, able to learn a lot of things and just experience a lot of, you know, just experiencing the culture in Israel and all the other places. You know, I've been able to learn a lot of things and grow because being in all those different countries, there's a lot of different things that make not only me, but a lot of overseas players uncomfortable. One small 
example would be like the language barrier. You know, instead of seeing that as a problem, I took like the different route, you know, and this is me growing along the way because in college you're able to be like in a shell because people, people kind of like praise you for anything and overseas they don't really care. So it's either you can like fit in or it can suck. So you can learn different languages or just learn different cultures, try new things. Because when in my rookie year, I was like in the house a lot, not really doing much, playing my video games. And over the years, I've been growing to try different foods, learn a little bit of the language and pick up new interests, such as like reading books, listening to a lot of podcasts and just trying new things. So that's kind of my situation, how I've been living life ever since college in like one small take right there. Yeah. And that's kind of the beauty of overseas basketball, right? You get a lot of new experiences. I love hearing overseas basketball stories. A lot of guys I have on have played overseas. Um, so I definitely want to get into that in just a moment. But uh, last time I checked, you have some exciting opportunities ahead of you. I want to talk about that first. Um, fill us in on what's coming up for you as far as the, the immediate next chapter in your, your hoop career. Yeah, so the very next thing I have going on is Summer League. I'll be playing with the Pelicans. So I'll be flying out for that tomorrow. And first game is August 9th. Over the time, we're going to have like a little mini training camp, you know, get some practices in and stuff like that. I'm sure just learning learning plays and stuff, getting ready so we can be prepared heading there. So that's, that's, what's, next. that's what's next for me as far as playing wise. Yeah, that's really exciting. And when this comes out, that'll be right around when Summer League is starting up. So people listening, definitely catch Malcolm and the, the Pelicans uh, hooping in Summer League. Are you, in, are you in Vegas, Salt Lake, Orlando? Where do they have you? I'll be playing in Vegas this year. With Summer League being canceled last year, obviously guys were denied some of their opportunities um, that they might have otherwise had. What have you learned? You said you, you played in previous uh, Summer Leagues. What have you learned that maybe prepared you for this particular opportunity now um, with the Pelicans? Um, I would say the one thing I learned is whenever you have a goal, you know, make sure it's intrinsic because I think without the goals that I had set for myself before the year, I'm off. Before that, I set myself, before I um had the opportunity, I set myself some goals before then. And throughout the course of the year, there were good days, there were bad days, there were even days. But for myself, I made sure to stick with it. And I dealt with some tough times. You know, a small example was I didn't play for a month. And that's kind of common for a lot of overseas guys. They deal with that type of adversity. But the biggest thing is how you respond to it. And what are you doing to better yourself every day, no matter what the situation or circumstance. And it was tough, I'm not gonna lie. And there were times where I felt like I'm wasting my time with this. But when I got the opportunity after the season, that kind of shows, and I would like to be a walking testament of what hard work and patience looks like. Because when you work hard and you're patient and you're doing it for yourself, all intrinsic motivations, you never know what type of opportunity you'll get. I didn't know I'd have that opportunity when I wrote down those goals. As a matter of fact, I had zero points back-to-back games. Then I wrote that goal down. Then I wrote my goals down for what I wanted for myself. And then I got this opportunity. So 
is this the ultimate goal? Not at all. This is like a small reward for setting a high goal and sticking with it. So that's probably the one thing that I learned for myself is whenever I have a tough day, just keep going. Because when I had tough days beforehand in the past, when I kept going, good things ended up happening. So it's kind of like a law of balance. You know, every good, there's a bad. For every bad, there's a good. So when either or, ha- when either or happens, stay even and stay stay even, you know? Yeah, very well said. And <clears throat> we're excited to see, you know, what you can do with this next opportunity. And just backpedaling a little bit, because I, I did mention how I, I enjoy these overseas stories probably as much as anyone. Was there any moment or instance from any of your stops where it was kind of like a, you know, welcome to overseas ball moment. I know you mentioned the language barrier. That's an obvious one, but like I've heard stories. I think it was Steven Bardo saying fans would throw coins at him. I've heard stories <laughs> refs just like, you know, leave the floor in the middle of the game or teams don't show up. What, anything happen in, in any of your various stops? Um, the coin throwing and stuff. I kind of experienced that a little bit when we played a team in Italy. So that was like a visit. That was like a hello, welcome to our country. Like, this is what we got for you type of deal. Um, I've seen like fireworks in stadiums, like it's a soccer match, seen that. But I would say my most interesting experience over the course of the season was playing basketball in Kazakhstan, because that's a culture that you can't really get ready for until you lived it and experienced it. What made it different and unique was they spoke Russian, very few English, and it gets really cold. See, your idea cold and a lot of people's idea is cold. And even my idea was cold. I, th- I thought it was cold because, you know, being in Chicago and Champagne, we experienced some things. There's no, no experience like Kazakhstan. Their weather is like, it touched negative 40 when I was there, negative 40 degrees. People don't even know what that looks like. And, you know, the snow gets to about eight feet high. And just getting a yeah, and it's like that for about it was like that for me for about six months. On top of the fact that in my living situation, it took like fifteen no, I wouldn't say fifteen. It took like ten minutes for me to walk to take out the trash every time. So being that cold and stuff, that was kind of like my yeah. This is overseas basketball. This isn't what you nah. <laughs> I'm sure funny. yeah, like I'm sure enduring it in the moment was was tough, but you know that's that's kind of the struggle you were talking about, right? That that leads to better opportunities and playing in the basketball wilderness and, and, you know, you eventually potentially playing in the league. Uh, that would be quite the story. I wonder how many guys playing in the Kazakhstan have, uh, you know, even made it that far. So that, that's an exciting uh, prospect for sure. Oh yeah. It's, it's exciting for sure, bro. Well, we're looking forward to watching, like I said, um, maybe a more serious question about your overseas experience. I think I saw when you were in Israel, uh, the season had to be cut short, right? Because of the, the conflict with Palestine going on. What, didn't those um, events intersect and, and maybe, you know, cost you part of a season for the second year in a row after COVID, I'm, I'm sure, disrupted some part of your career the year before? Um, yeah, it, it, it put a halt to the season. And, you know, it, it was tough because so I had a good routine going out there. And, you know, our team had an opportunity to make the playoffs and do something. But, you know, it's pretty cool to, like, say I experienced it. I felt pretty safe for the most part, you know, because I'm sure everybody saw the news. And my family, they're like, oh, my goodness, like, 
are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Because for them, like, it's something that they've experienced before. So like, you know, they, they gave the reassurance and stuff like that, like, you'll be fine. And probably the closest thing I had to violence was like hearing like a wind in the air. That was like crazy. I was like, it sounded like an airplane flying by, but um, for the most part, being over there and experiencing it, I mean, so I could like write a book about that. You know what I mean? And like just telling my friends and family, you know, that it wasn't as bad as like what the news made it seem. You know, I was happy to, to tell them that and also happy to like, you know, let them know like Israel is like a really good country. You know, it's not like all scary and stuff, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know you're one of the few prominent line I'd have played in Israel and uh, Brian Randall played there for a while, I believe. Tal Brody um, was there for a long time. So uh, there's a lot of success stories playing in Israel. And, and, the, and you know, some of those cities I've seen, like Tel Aviv looks amazing. What city were you in out, out there when you played? Um, I, was in, I was in Jerusalem when I was playing. And I was in Tel Aviv a lot. Because over there in Israel, the, the funny thing with, with them over there is, like, they think an hour car ride is, like, very long like dreadful because right. the, the, the country's like kind of small like the far like the farthest place you can drive is about four hours you know it's that small so I was about 15-20 minutes away from every city and, and there's a, like a lot of beaches a lot of really good food and people in different cities like they spoke English very well over there in different parts so it was really fun to be able to explore that or explore that area and learn and explore the culture and, you know, experience, visit a lot of the cool places that you can visit. Definitely. And we talked about, you know, champagne a little bit, especially before we hopped on, but this is kind of a nice segue to my next question. Um, especially going back to your Illinois days, I saw you were at a wedding this past weekend. One of our, uh, well, my fellow champagne native, Michael Finke, was getting married. Uh, how was that, you know, getting back, seeing one of your old teammates, getting back in town? I, I assume it had to, to be nice one, just to feel a little bit of normalcy and then uh, see some old brothers. Yeah, it was such an awesome, awesome time being there because you know, I'm a very simple guy and I kind of think different. You know, not only what is, was it great to see my friend get married, you know, especially because we met when I was a freshman and he was a senior in high school. So we go way back and here we are, not only seeing him get married, but being able to see all the other people that came together, you know, being able to see all my college teammates, some of his old friends from the city, some of my old friends from college that came to the wedding. Like, it was just awesome to experience that moment with people and just, it was just all love, you know, it, bringing back all the old memories, you know, talking about the experiences and practice, talking about all the old games and just catching up with everybody, seeing how they're doing in life. Few of us, like, don't play basketball anymore. So just seeing how they, you know, react, live in the real world, seeing how they, they're dealing with the identity change from like basketball player to, you know, a working, working person, working citizen, just moving around. It's, it's great just catching up and hearing everybody's experience throughout the years that we haven't been together. So I was, it was awesome get, catching up with everybody for sure. Yeah, I know you had at least caught up with some of those dudes uh, last summer. We mentioned briefly the TBT, the basketball tournament. Mm. You guys had a pretty good run. It was a great relief to see sports back. That was like one of the first sporting events that came back that uh, in summer 2020. And then we lost you this year. 
on the House of Pain team because you have this uh, exciting opportunity like we talked about. We needed you, you know, on the House of Pain. I was watching. They got bounced in the first round. I don't know if you watched or not, but that was rough, man. We needed you out there. Yeah, it was tough. Um, it was just unfortunate because BP had just one of those games, you know. It happens. Just as a basketball player, just understanding, like, you know, that if it was a seven-game series or, like, a five-game series, even a three-game series, I'm sure we won, but they played one of their better games, and we as a collective that game didn't. So this is how it happens sometimes. I really wish I could have been out there. As you guys saw last year, I was very passionate being out there. I would have been probably even more passionate. So I'm sure I could have helped in a lot of ways, but we'll see how – there's always a next year for it, for sure. So we can learn from it and move. Yeah, no, and it was just – Cooled for me to see. I think Ravante balling out. He looked like he, Ooh, he was killing, right? right. Nana stepping out and hitting some threes. Nana Egwu, just guys that you know we saw every day back at U of I. It was just fun to see them them balling out. So even despite the loss, like like you said, hopefully they're back in future years. You guys can uh, make a run at that one or two million, whatever the the prize is. How many of those uh, guys do you keep in touch with regularly? Any of them? Uh, I know Finky obviously is probably near the top of the list, but. Um, what, what kind of contact do you keep up with either the players, Coach Gross, or anyone like that? Um, I would say I keep up with them. The term I'll, I'll say often. Often and every now and then with everybody because life can, life can be very hectic, you know, with the schedule that we have with basketball or with anything else. So quite often, just a, hey, how you doing? How are things? How can I help? type of deal with a lot of people. The one thing I will say is what I'm very grateful and honored to be a part of is you know, with the varsity Illini, Dion, he actually came up and talked with us, just letting us know, you know, what the real treasure is with being an Illini and just offering the opportunity to whenever or if ever we need to get in touch with, a, with an alum or a donor or somebody who could help with anything, just let us know and we can get in good contact with them. Just stuff like that, being offered that, that's not even having to do with TBT, but that he offered that for the whole basketball team and just stuff like that, being able to add value. I think that was about probably the best thing for TBT. And that's, that's kind of a cool way for me to keep in contact with not only just the basketball players, but like the whole Illini nation type. Yeah, that's one of the things about college sports, too, that <clears throat> I think it's undersold when, you know, people are talking about going to the G League or maybe discounting the college experience. Um, that community is real, I think. And I talk to guys like you all the time who have similar stories. And, you know, just w with something like the G League or any of these other independent leagues, like fans aren't coming to watch them after they're done in that league, packing a stadium like they did in Peoria to, you know, cheer on guys who used to play. Like, that's just wild to me. And, and you're right. The resources that last and the, and the connections that last beyond are, are great. Um, and then I just a funny side note. I saw uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Indy for Big Ten football media day, and I saw uh, Coach Ford in the lobby. No uh, way. Coach Gross. Yeah, he had his Akron shirt on, and I, it was good to catch up. Uh, <laughs> I was surprised he remembered me because I don't, you know, I was around. I was hanging around, but, like, yeah, that much. But it, it was good to see him, too. Yo, that's awesome. Bro, I'm sure, like, you, you probably didn't even realize till after you got out of college, like, how powerful 
just from our experience going to Illinois really is. Well, for sure. And one thing that I've kind of tried to tell coworkers at, um, at Big Ten Network, especially when I was first working there in Illinois basketball and football were more down uh, near the bottom of the Big Ten is that, you know, this fan base is hungry for success, for a winner. Mm-hmm. And then you saw at the Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis uh, in March, that championship game and most of that weekend was like for the whatever 8,000 fans they let in it was probably 90% Illinois fans in that crowd. And, and, you know, they made a lot of noise and I think helped that team a lot play some of the best basketball that they played all season. So, you know, I'm just trying to tell people colleagues that maybe went to other big 10 schools or or friends that went to other big 10 schools that, you know, the fan base is, is large and it's hungry. And uh, I know you've seen it firsthand. Oh yeah, for sure. And, you know, call it what you want. Some people call it pressure. Some people call it hunger. But just seeing from the core of it, we're all, we're just so used to having a high standard for our program that, you know, I think it's good and healthy because, I mean, we saw what that led us to potentially this year with how good of a team we built up from a hungry fan, hungry and supportive fan base. Definitely. And I uh, do want to talk about this year's team. We're going to get to your career to wrap up, but, just uh, staying on the subject of this year's team and, and maybe the last couple of years when things started to take off again, how did you consume those games? Did you at all, do you, do you know players from maybe hosting them on visits? How do you just kind of consume Illinois basketball as an alum, especially now that they are on the national stage again? Yeah. Um, well, it's easy for me to make bets with my teammates that are, you know, went to different colleges whenever they come across each other, you know, make those friendly type of wages and know that we're going to win. But um, how do I watch the games? Being overseas is tough, obviously, the time difference. So I was able to watch the highlights. And it's just awesome to see just the chemistry and just the energy. You know, now that we're winning, seeing us win and just the energies flowing from game to game and then the confidence being able to win at the end of games, you know, it's just awesome to see not only, you know, from a, an alone perspective, but for each one of them individually, because they're not, I'm sure they're not even aware of like how big and how much they're setting themselves up for themselves individually for the future, you know, with basketball and without basketball. So that was awesome to see. Of course, wanted them to make a better run in the tournament, but just thinking about it realistically, that's the first time that our program has been there in how long, and that's the first time we were like considered and talked about as one of the best teams in the country. That's tough, you know, when you've never been in that situation. It's a brand new experience. It's easy to sit back in a fan and be like, how are they not playing their best basketball? But, you know, pressure is real. People deal with pressure in different ways. I'm not saying they were like nervous or anything, but just the the reality of the situation was we were able to bounce back and saw the potential that we could build with the program. And I think we're going to be better from years on to come and get better players. And now that we know what it looks like, we're going to fight for that again and more. So it makes me really excited and happy and, you know, excited and happy and a lot of other words that I can't really I feel a lot of other ways I can't really put into words to be happy and anticipated to see like what we have to come in the future. I said that really ugly just now. (laughs) Podcast game. Hey, I'm just set my podcast game up, bro. I've had far (laughs) more stumbles. 
I would not worry about it. Um, <laughs> trust me, anyone who listens to this show knows uh, I can uh, at times. Uh, I do want to say, though, like kind of sticking on that theme of pride that you had, seeing not to, you know, linger on the TBT too much, but seeing like Kofi and Trent Frazier and the, the current team they're watching, I think that's something that's kind of been missing until recently is just like, you know, the generations all kind of blending together. And I see it with all you guys. And it's just kind of a cool thing that, that made me smile, you know, as a fellow alum. Um, and I know you would have been there too, if you, you, you could have been, but uh, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that, but I just feel like the connection is tighter and it's more of a culture that you see at other places like Purdue and Michigan state where the, it's a really tight bond. And I want, I'm sure you guys agree that that would be, you know, a great thing to, to aspire to. That would be a really great thing. And for me personally, I love to keep that bridge connected because we have things to offer and value and experience that they can't really get until they get the experience to do that. So just to give them a heads up of what to come, how to deal with certain situations in the future, whenever we talk to them and seeing that support, like you said, them at the games, it's awesome. And it should be a close connection like that. And it's going to grow bigger and bigger because you know, life is tough. You know, there's more to life than basketball. And after college, life can hit you really hard. You know, we have that experience to share. So to keep that, to keep that connection and, you know, the things that we have to offer and speaking on a personal experience, the things I have to offer to the players on the basketball team and former Illini players on the team, love like I'm doing right now, getting connections with everybody, the older guys. I love to help everybody out and just give them advice on basketball and on other experiences in life and opportunities that they can have for themselves. For sure. And, and I do not want to wrap up before we talk a little bit about your career at Illinois. Uh, a lot of great memories uh, of your playing days. As we intro in the beginning, a lot of buckets to talk about. Uh, but one thing I do want to, I do want to uh, make sure to bring up is one that, you know, you talked about the emotions of the game that maybe hit overwhelmingly. So with you, after senior night, I believe it was against Michigan State. It's a big win for the team. Um, you know, big win to keep NCAA tournament hopes alive. I remember, and it was on Big Ten Network because we had our interviewer there, John Crispin. I think it was talking to you, and you just kind of broke down a little bit. Um, and it was after you had a big game. And and would you say that would be the highlight of your career at Illinois? And you look back, or when you when you think about special moments, uh, are there other things that, that maybe stack up to, to that moment as well? If it's not the highlight of my career, it's the highlight of my friends' careers because they laugh about me about that, laugh at me about that all the time. <laughs> Seeing the, the fact that they can pull it up on YouTube anytime, pull me up crying. <laughs> but no, that was definitely one, one of, if not my favorite moments at Illinois because at that moment, it was like all in one instance, just the hard work and sacrifice that I gave for the university ever since I got there as a freshman, just everything that I went through from the good to the bad, beautiful to ugly, like it just hit me and it was like, dang, it's over. You know, as far as like being able to play in front of everybody. You know, Cause that's what I worked hard for. It's always awesome playing in front of the home crowd. And as you can see, AO did the same thing, gave a kiss on the court, I'm sure if he put if he would have stayed for another two years, he would probably shed a tear just like I did. Nah, but that's like a prime example of like 
just the dedication and sacrifice and also the rewarding feeling you get from the fans, the support that you get from them. And just knowing that it was over, like, it, it touched, you know, the feels were there. Even talking about it now, I'm just, I'm getting myself back to that moment. Like playing for those fans are just amazing. And just being able to talk to them now after my career, just reminiscing on everything and talking with them about the experiences and like the stuff that they didn't know at the time of like practice, how that was and just how my head was. It's, it's awesome. Like I can go on for days on days just about what it meant, what it meant for me to play for Illinois and like what it means for me today. Yeah. And at the time you went viral in a good way, like that took off on social media, but I'm sure depends on who you ask. I was going to say, I'm sure <laughs> the media ramifications or the long-term ramifications didn't hit you about people being able to clown you the rest of your career, but they can't clown you too much, man. That was a sentimental moment. It's not, you know, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Hey man, my friends are crazy. They don't care who I am. <laughs> They don't see me like y'all see me, but no. Nah, we, we all need friends like that, though, to you know, <laughs> keep us in check a little bit. Yeah, it keeps us humble and grounded for sure. <laughs> all right. Malcolm, you've been uh, very generous with your time. I know you got out of a workout recently, so I'm going to let you go in just a second. But uh, we got to talk, you know, especially as a, as a U of I guy myself, got to talk about your favorite couple of food spots before we jump off here. Uh, what are you missing most about Champagne that, that you know, we would maybe get – uh, I know I like DP dough over by West quad. I don't know where you, where you, uh, were eating, but fill me in and on what you liked. See, I'm gonna say local spots because I, the local spots deserve love or the local spot deserve love spots. Cactus grill. And that's on, uh, do you know where cactus grill at? Oh yeah. On Neil street. My brother is a huge cactus grill fan. For some reason, I feel like it didn't hit our generation the same as it did maybe a couple of years younger, like you and current students. They swear by it. Like the student athletes as well. I always see them posting about Cactus Grill. Cactus is that spot, boy. It was one of those foods that hits every time. It is good. It's a great recovery food too. If you're patient enough to keep it in the fridge after a fun night. There you go. <laughs> but got Cactus Grill, Marianne's. What college student doesn't go to Marianne's though? Did you have you, to. Did you mess with, did you mess with Marianne's? Of course. I mean, I, I'm a townie, so I went to Marianne's even before college. And then I was more of a Maze guy, like uh, Mexican food, but I did like Cactus Grill too. Maze was just really close by and I could walk over and uh, get a burrito. It was, it was good. Yeah. What other spots did you like? Uh, well, like going back now, I always have to take coworkers to dinner or whatever. So we like Black Dog. Like everyone at work likes Black Dog. Um, yeah, I like, yeah, I like yeah, Seven yeah. Saints a lot too. Seven Saints is really good. Seven Saints. Oh yeah, I did have that. Yeah, that place is good too. What was the go-to whenever like? What was the most consistent go-to? Like the one you were eating about three or four times a, a week. Uh Maze is probably the most consistent. Deep Dough, like I said. Um, you know, Papa Dell's is always classic. I feel like I'm missing one or two though. That it's gonna drive me nuts. I'm gonna think of it when I hop off. Um, you know what? I said a dessert place that I was messing with was Insomnia. Yep, Insomnia. Cookies I was at Insomnia a lot. We have that I'm here. Though. Say that. We have Do that you? in the city, so we can still get that. Okay, so. see, that was that's the only Insomnia that I've ever been. You know, local oh, to. I know one that that's been a childhood or a growing up, high school through college, and when I go back, Dos Reales. It's off campus. Dos Reales. Yeah, best Mexican food in in Champagne. 
So I'm going to have to go to it now that you said it. Off campus, man. It's North Prospect, right? If you get off the highway, um, best value, best Mexican food. You got to hit it up. So, oh, I have to. I love Mexican food. Yeah. One like, more time. Do- What's it called? Dos, like two, dos. And then reales. I don't speak Spanish, but um, I don't know. Is that so good. That's what that, oh, no. Bueno means good. Uh, too yes, real, maybe? Mean- It'll be too real? I don't know. People, people who spoke who took Spanish in high school are just laughing right now at us, but uh, it's all good. Are they right? <laughs> I swear, I'm gonna learn Spanish. I'm gonna learn Spanish one of these days. I know, I know a lot of people who like know multiple languages that didn't learn their first one to like 40. So really, we got time. I would. Yeah. Love I, I regret you know not trying to learn when I was a lot younger because I had a tough time picking up my high school subject French. You've been in enough countries now that you probably have picked up a little bit of uh, a handful of languages. Yeah, I know a couple. Like, I know Don, Don, I mean, uh, Germany. German is a real tough language. I actually did try to learn that with Duolingo, and I, uh, I couldn't. But Danka, thanks. Um, I'm blanking on you, man. I'm blanking on you because I know a couple of Israeli words. I know a couple. Of, I know a couple of Serbian words. I actually do know this phrase, but I can't say it. Because it's something really bad, and I heard it a lot from a lot of my coaches. Some you hear on the court, yeah, I got you. Oh yeah, but yeah, there's there's been just having an ear for it, walking around in the city and asking, of course, like, oh, what does that mean? Like, you learn a lot of things for sure. But I need to learn another language. I don't know when I'll find the time, but hopefully, you learn know. some uh, some New Orleans slang coming up because we want you to get that opportunity. Down in the Big Easy. Looking forward to, to watching you, man. Uh, appreciate you taking some time. We'll be tuned in to Summer League. Uh, bet on that for sure. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch you guys. And always love watching Summer League. You and Io going to the Bulls and our other Big Ten guys. Uh, it was a good draft. And, and love to see you undrafted free agents get a shot as well. For sure, man. Thanks for taking the time to hit me up and like give me the opportunity to talk on this platform. Like, I, had a, I had an awesome time, honestly. Absolutely. You know, it's all love, man. Uh, appreciate you. And we will hopefully talk soon and be following your career for many years to come. For sure. It's all love like always, bro. All right. Thanks to Malcolm once again for joining me. You can probably tell in the discussion. We go back a ways to our days as students at Illinois. He's a couple of years younger than me. So real good rapport with him. Um, awesome to catch up with him and not talk to him or see him in a while. So. Hopefully that came through during the interview. And uh, I always love talking hoops, especially with guys who either played in Europe, overseas, or still grinding for the NBA opportunity. It's always fun to check in where guys are at, especially prominent players like Malcolm Hill. So shout out to him one more time. All right, like I said at the top of the show, we'll kick it over now to Harold Shelton, our manager of research at Big Ten Network. And Harold, like I quickly alluded to at the top, Talks everything from Big Ten football to basketball. Goes behind the numbers. He is our stats guy at the network. And just uh, some good casual conversation, especially if you've been unplugged, kind of like we were taking a break on the show. But if you're unplugged this summer, great place to catch up on some things you might have missed and uh, just get some Big Ten sports back in your life. So let's let Harold take it away. It's uh, our manager of research and it starts right now. All right, very, very excited to be rejoined by Harold Shelton, Big Ten Network Manager of Research. 
H, it's been a while. It's been too long since we chatted. My bad, but we are back. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I, I get it. We got to step away, kind of enjoy the summer when we can. Uh, you know, definitely take some time to, to recharge and kind of get away from it so we can be at our best when it comes back. Yeah, not that we're getting too many YouTube views, uh, modest YouTube views, so I don't know if anyone would notice. But you did notice. I'm in a different setting here. Um, what do you think of the, the new setup? No, no couch this time. I'm in my office chair in my living room. It's an upgrade. You know, I think, uh, you know, anytime you, you can have an office chair, it's a good thing. Um, you know, I got, I've gotten used to the couch because we had done so many of these in that setting. So it was a little jarring when I first saw you, but uh, no, I like it. I like the digs. Appreciate that. And we're going to get another further upgrade soon. Um, not that, you know, anyone will care too much outside of, uh, of this call, but we will be in a revamped studio soon enough. The idea was always kind of to do this show from our own studio or at least the studio at Big Ten Network that was out through the podcast. COVID pushed those plans back, but it is back on track. So sometime this fall, H, we're going to get in there and it's going to be legit. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking, really looking forward to that. All right, man. So we got a lot of catching up to do. I think it was end of May last time we hopped on. So two months or so of uh, stuff that we missed. And it's been a lively summer. I think everything is just kind of catching up with itself since the COVID calendar is finally kind of unwinding. Um, this is probably the last time that the NBA will be pushed as far into the summer. So we had the draft just recently. Um, things are proceeding normally in the football season. A year ago, we had no idea what was going on at this point. So first of all, before we even get into all that, because uh, there's a lot, like I said, let's stick with our tradition of reminiscing on the guest of the week. Uh, Malcolm Hill was a decorated player at Illinois. Just had a great convo with him. What are some memories you had of Malcolm during his time? It was 2013 to, to 2017. So semi-recently here, kind of in the middle of your run at BTN. Yeah, he was a guy who got a lot of buckets, but did it quietly. You know, I feel like when you, when you kind of go back and, and you think about some of the great scores that we've had in this league, you know, over the last, you know, five, 10 years, you, he doesn't immediately come to mind. But, like, when you go back, you're like, yeah, I mean, this dude scored, like, 1,800 points. Like, he's an all-Big Ten type of player. Um, and but, you know, the way he was, his, uh, you know, his personality, his disposition, it was just always pretty calm and even keel. Um, and so I remember when they beat Michigan uh, on senior day, you know, he was really, really emotional. And, and kudos to John Christian for, for bringing that out of him, too. But, um, I, you know, it was jarring to me because I'm like, whoa, like Malcolm Hill showed emotion like you don't normally see that. And. Uh, you know, I think it's just that's just one of the cool things about sports is seeing your night and just kind of seeing your career, you know, kind of reach that culmination. And, you know, everyone, you're, you're just taking all of the moments in and all of the the, the practices and the, the locker rooms and the games. And, and you kind of see that come out of the, the people who are going through it. And so uh, that definitely uh, stuck with me. Yeah, I know you weren't on the call, but that's a lot of uh... – what you just said it encapsulates a lot of what Malcolm said about the moment. And you're right. He was maybe not the most prominent player of the decade or not in that echelon uh, because of the lack of success that those teams had. They never made the tournament. Um, they were always kind of close, but just not good enough. I remember, I think it was his junior year because his senior year, they had a lot of injuries and it was a tough season, but junior year, uh, they were knocking on the door of the tournament or I'm sorry, his senior year, they were knocking on the door of the tournament, lost to Rutgers. Yep. Um, in Piscataway and then it was a sophomore year when they were also knocking on the door and lost to Purdue 
uh, at Purdue at the end of the year. So there were two games really that could have swung that either way. Could have had two tournament appearances in his career. They just couldn't get it done as a team. Crazy though that that a team with Kendrick Nunn, Devontae Rice, Nana Egwu, player like Malcolm Hill couldn't get through to the NCAA tournament. And I think that's what a lot of Illinois fans kind of used to look back on that era as, as, as a kind of a down era, because if you watch the uh, TBT game, I believe it was two weeks ago, almost now when they, they lost in the first round and really it was only like half Illinois guys from that gross era. The other guys were kind of stragglers from other schools and the sentiment on Twitter when they lost was like, all right, let's leave that era in the past. You know, this is the Underwood era now, but there were some good players some good dudes and, you know, it wasn't Ravante Rice's fault. They lost that game in the TBT. Uh, Malcolm Hill was unable to play because he's playing in the summer league with the Pelicans. Andres Feliz, who's an Underwood guy, obviously, had a visa issue and couldn't get in the country. So I think if they had those guys, they would have maybe gone farther, um, made, made it a little bit of a run. But it's interesting how those errors get kind of cast in the minds of fan bases when really one or two games could have swung it the other way. Yeah, it's so true. And it- you know, I feel like, uh, especially in college basketball, well, college sports period, it's such a bottom line business. So it's like, hey, did you get to the tournament? Or like if you were a super elite program where it's championship or bust, it's like, you know, if you're Duke or Kentucky or whatever, it's like, oh, you didn't get to the final four. Oh, you didn't get to the championship. Uh, like, you know, that's a lost season. And, you know, it, it sucks for the, the players that are there that are really good, that, you know, did all they could. And they kind of get wrapped up into the end result, you know, negatively or positively. And when it's negative, like, you know, it's something that's unfortunate. Yeah. And I don't think you'll find any Illinois fan that would have anything negative to say about Malcolm Hill. He's kind of one of those, you know, all American type dudes who is a fan favorite. But I do have respect for when the athlete who maybe never got the payoff at the school um, in terms of results still stays connected. And, And Malcolm kind of expressed this like he wants to stay connected to the current team. Um, he wants to kind of fill them in and, and future guys in about what he feels is special about that place. And I always respect that, you know, even if guys didn't have maybe on paper, the, the best experience team wise at a school and, and you see it across the big 10. I've talked to guys all the time on, uh, this show about people who have love for their school, even though it, uh, you know, maybe ended poorly or, or not how they wanted. Yeah. I, I think that's the beauty about college sports and, and, you, in just college in general, like there's just always a soft spot for your alma mater. And, you know, I know when, whenever we're on the bus tour or whatever, whenever that bus pulls into Michigan State, like, you know, all the memories and stuff just start coming back. And like, I just think there's just something about, you know, basically becoming an adult. And like you remember so much of your time from those four or five years, like definitely five for me, uh, but four or five years. Uh, like when you're in college and all of it starts to come back, you just feel in a, a special emotional attachment. And so it's cool to hear, you know, guys like Malcolm, you know, still wanting to reach out, even though they're, you know, a few years removed. I don't know if you watch TBT at all, but with the fans back this year, it's crazy to me still how fans will pay money to go in and watch alumni of their team, just kind of a random group, you know, basically glorified pickup game, even though ESPN does a great job putting this event on. Like that to me is something that I would put as exhibit A and a PowerPoint of why college sports really aren't going anywhere for a while. Um, and, and, you know, in the foreseeable future, because like what other type of sporting league can do that? Nobody's doing that with G league. Nobody's doing that with overseas basketball, you know, to that degree, 
like the connection there is wild. You saw Bayheim's army, like they had, they had Syracuse fans in Dayton or wherever that was cheering. Uh, Wichita State had a, a crazy crowd reaction. It looked packed in, the, in that facility when they had a buzzer beater. I think it was Fran Camp hit a buzzer beater. Um, Illinois had a lot of fans that, you know, would have, I'm sure, had a great atmosphere with the Bradley fans there at, at the uh, Civic Center in Peoria. So it's just one of those things that is really cool, I think, about college sports, about how those ties kind of last. And we saw Purdue fans fired up to play Carmen's crew for the Ohio State alumni. Uh, I love it, especially in the summer when you really need to kind of be reminded of, of uh, what you're missing during the sports calendar with uh, college being out of, out of season, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's funny you mentioned Bayheim's Army first because, you know, there are times where, you know, I get busy with, with the summer or, you know, families in town or we're out doing something. And, you know, I'm, I'm on Twitter and, and uh, a guy I used to work with is a huge Syracuse guy. And he's tweeting all the time about Bayheim's Army and how, you know, how how he follows that team and has followed them for years and just how fired up he is to to watch them play. And it just, again, to your point, just goes to show, like, if you grew up rooting for somebody or you went to that school for a certain amount of years, like, there's just that emotional attachment whenever you see those colors or see that name or see, you know, the players who, who wore that jersey. And you just kind of get – you just find – it just it gives you a reason to just get lost in it again. Yeah. It's like, dude, it's not a real team, but it, it is like, it's, it's, yeah. you know, it's those guys you watched. And even if you throw in a random dude, like Illinois fans kind of adopted Mike Dom. I remember when he went off for them in mm-hmm. the 2020 TBT and it kind of became an honorary degree type thing. So it's just one of those fun things about college sports that I enjoy. Um, all right. Talking real sports now, H we got to catch up. Um, first of all, you mentioned the tour, as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, you and I are not on the tour. We missed another year. No bus tour last year. No bus this year. There is a tamp down version of the tour where uh, the same three guys we know every year, Dave Rebson, Jerry DiNaro, and Howard Griffith are going to practices, getting that FaceTime with the coaches, and Joshua Perry, our guy, is joining them as well. So, H, we got to get there in 2022 um, when the bus is back. I think we all understand, you know, during a COVID season why a, a bus packed with a bunch of People, you know, front to back is maybe not the best uh, COVID-friendly process. So I think we can handle sitting out another year. Yeah. You know, I completely understand the decision of not having the bus. Uh, It does feel weird uh, not being out there this time of year, especially knowing that uh, the tour is going on. But, uh, you know, we'll we'll make do. You know, we still got work to do from from our offices or from our houses and, you know, just kind of continuing from from last year. But, yeah, you're right. Twenty twenty two. Uh, we definitely need to get back. It's nice seeing some of these events come back. Um, I know you weren't able to make it to media day, but some of these events that we're used to being on the calendar, you know, getting back out there, enjoying some of the upside of our jobs again. Uh, so when we were in Indy is when the news popped off a couple weeks ago about college football realignment. And to a degree, the realignment narrative and story that is out there, and when I say narrative, it's it's like how it's framed by – college football media. If you listen to this podcast, you know that I just like sometimes roll my eyes at the, the greater college football media horde. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, they, they phrase it as like this exciting thing. And this is our Christmas, you know, our, our uh, best days on the calendar. We get the most clicks through uh, these types of events unfolding. And it's exciting when news breaks like that and, and, you know, new possibilities kind of unfold. 
But at the same time, I feel like for a lot more people, it's not that exciting about the uncertainty that they might face, right? Like, I'm sure Kansas State fans, Iowa State fans, anyone in the Big 12 really, you know, many more millions of people than who would follow those two schools, Texas and Oklahoma, they're probably feeling a lot worse right now than, um, you know, it's maybe framed in the college football media landscape. Like, I just kind of get queasy when I when I hear all these stories just because I feel bad for the fans who might be on the other end of it. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Um, like, I agree with you on the college football media uh, at large. You know, the, the general point of, you know, being so excited about this news. Now, I will say I have seen some articles that have said, like, I don't know if this is necessarily a good thing for college football. Like, yeah, we, we can talk about, you know, the SEC getting stronger and super conferences and all that. But that's not that's not necessarily a great thing uh, for the sport itself. And, you know, to your point, you know, like West Virginia just joined the Big 12 not too long ago. Like what happens with them? And, you know, Oklahoma State loses their you know, in-state rival to another league. Like, we're you know, usually there in lockstep. So what happens with them? You know, TCU just came over, you know. Like, do they have to go back to a, a, a lower league? Do they, you know, continue to try to you know, stay with the other Big 12 schools and, you know, try to figure something out there? Like, what happens with them and Baylor and Texas Tech? And, you know, do they, do they add a Houston or SMU to try to, you know, you know, build the the Texas brand part back to to replace the Longhorns. I'm I'm not really sure. And, you know, it, it does. You know, it, I feel really bad for the schools that haven't had a ton of tradition in either of the two big sports. Like I'm sure Kansas will probably be fine because of their basketball program. Um, but you know, a school like Iowa State, who's had some success in both, or Kansas State, some success in both. Like, what happens with those schools? Yeah, it's a good point. And it's it's a delicate balance, right? Like, I think we all want more revenue for our programs. I mean, Big Ten Network had that in mind when it was created, and it's been wildly successful. Um, and you want to put your schools in the best position to succeed. And, you know, we're not going to fire off any takes about who the Big Ten should scoop up or if they should stand pat or anything, like, just not really our job. But it, I think it's a delicate balance just overall in college sports, right? Because we saw this play out with, with the uh, – Super League idea in uh, Europe, right? With their their soccer teams and fans rebelled against it. The fans of those lower league teams basically said, we're not having this. Uh, we don't care, you know, how lucrative it is for you. It would ruin the sport. Um, you know, I don't know how closely those parallels are with college football. I've seen some articles written about it where it, it makes that comparison. So I don't know. It, it's just a delicate balance of... of maximizing your revenue and the power of your conference. And I think everyone knows the big 10 are kind of natural rivals of the sec. We're always competing, whether that's, uh, you know, in the wallet or on the basketball court, football field, uh, anything really like that. That's what you want. Competition's good. So it, it's interesting just to kind of sit back and watch it from the perspective of a stakeholder in another very powerful conference. Um, and, and, you know, seeing the sec make those moves. Yeah. And I, you naturally you wonder like, okay, is there going to be a domino effect since you know the SEC added, our other leagues going to add, and you know the the natural thing is okay, yeah, sure. So the Big Ten is going to try to get these people, and ACC is going to try to get these people, or but at the same time you wonder, is it worth it to add any of these teams? And so I think 
stand impact could be a realistic possibility. And, and I'm fine with that. I do think it's interesting how, uh, you know, there was a lot of momentum for the 12 team playoff and, you know, everything was kind of going forward with that. And then once this move happened, people were kind of like, Hmm, I don't know if we should be doing this now. Like, was this just an sec money grab, uh, you know, adding Texas, Oklahoma, and then try to get as many teams from that league into this playoff as possible. So I'll, I'll be curious to see, uh, you know, how going forward, do they make any changes? Do they say now nah, you can only have so many teams from the conference you know, from one conference get in. Like there's there's a lot of dominoes, I think, still at play from this move. Yeah, last point here on this, and, and I think the reason why college basketball, um, you know, <clears throat> regular season in college basketball has, in my eyes, you know, a little more buzz around it, maybe because of the school I went to, right, with Illinois having more relevance. But I think it's – maybe the illusion of being in the dance, right? The ability to have a shot. Uh, not saying that football's ever or should go to 64, but I've been pining for expansion on this show with you forever. I hope these moves don't get in the way of whatever the 12 team solution was that might pop up in a few years. But I just think college sports are better off when more teams have a seat at the table. Um, you know, more fan bases are engaged longer. I think right now with the four team setup, it's just not appealing to a, a wide audience. I think everyone still is going to have a good time on Saturday. You know, everyone at all these schools, uh, 80 to hundred schools across the country. It's, it's, it's the main thing to do in that college town. It's a fun time. Keep that going as long as you can. But I think college basketball has done a really good job, you know, keeping 30 to 40 teams and their fan base is interested because they can get at large bids to the NCAA tournament. And even though the, the results aren't that different, like if you look at the winners of college basketball and March Madness, it, a lot of it is still the Blue Buds, right? It's still the, the Alabamas, Clemsons, Ohio States of college basketball. But like I said, the illusion of being in the dance, I think, helps the sport overall. I don't know uh, how you feel about that. But again, it's just more pro expansion talk for me. So I, I could see both sides of the coin on that. And I know for a long time, there's uh, there's the argument of college basketball being a one-month sport and trying to fight, uh, you know, the, the negativity from that. You know, it's all people don't care about, you know, the sport until the tournament starts and then people watch for three weeks. And I don't think there's any question it's the, the greatest sporting event, at least to me, uh, that we have. Um, and that's including, you know, college football playoff. That's including NBA finals. That's including, you know, for Super, Super Bowl for me, like I'll take the tournament over all of those. Uh, but there is this, you know, the stigma that it's a one-month sport. And college football, they try to say, oh, well, you know, if you have it only before teams, then, you know, it, you know, it makes the regular season more important and all this and that. And it's like, well – is it, though? I mean, conference championship games have basically been obsolete. Like, no one cares about them anymore. Like, you can lose your conference championship game and still make the playoff, which is, like, how is that different than, you know, the tournament? Like, how does that make the regular season matter? And so I really don't care about the regular season mattering. Like, I'm with you in terms of having more teams, you know, get a seat at the table, bite at the apple, you know, whatever analogy you want to use. Um, I'm definitely fine with that. Um, I think 
it before the playoffs started um, when it was just the BCS, which I didn't like. But there was more value in, hey, if you win a conference championship, that's a huge deal. Like if you go to the Rose Bowl, that's a huge deal. And I was like, oh, man, I didn't make the playoff. I guess I got to go to the Rose Bowl. Like that's the kind of stuff that I think has been missing from college football. And I think the playoff, the way it's been constructed and just you keep getting the same teams over and over and over again, like for seven, eight years, like that's that's a problem. Yeah. And like many things in this country, I don't think it should be this complicated. I think there are some pretty simple solutions out there. But when you have big time stakeholders in the mix, it's always going to be a little more dicey. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. And, you know, that doesn't tamper my anticipation for college football this season at all. Um, I, I'm really excited. I think just because, like, for me, college football was the sport that suffered most with COVID. It was just hard to suspend reality or, um, you know, suspend disbelief is a better term while watching last season. Just because, like, so much of the sport and the enjoyment for me is is wrapped up in fans, you know, the the event, the pageantry of it, the college experience, right? So seeing that back this year is going to help me a lot, I think, just get back into that mindset. And I think we've got some exciting times ahead with uh, Big Ten football. We're kicking off Illinois and Nebraska in just about three weeks from today. That'll be a lot of fun. I think it'll be a good crowd there. Um, just a lot of intrigue around that game. Nebraska fans are kind of on the edge of their seats to see what direction this program is going to go in. Illinois fans, I think, are cautiously optimistic with Bielema. It's just going to be a cool event to kick us off. I don't know if you've been seeing the countdown of uh, Joshua Perry's top 30 players, JP 30 in the Big Ten, but it's kind of just getting me ready to go. The juice is flowing. Um, how do you feel just overall as we as we go in? Don't have to talk ex- existentially anymore about the, the sport. We can kind of narrow it down to Big Ten as uh, the month has arrived and we'll kick off. Yeah, so I know usually when I start my preview packet, it's kind of a reminder of, you know, the stuff that happened last year and what we're looking forward to this year. And you kind of forget, you know, the stuff that happened because it's so far removed. And then when I start like looking into the stuff again, it's like, oh, yeah, this happened. OK, that happened. OK, this guy's back. Uh, that's right. He was going to transfer, but he decided to stay or oh, this guy left. So I'm, I'm definitely getting back into the swing of that. Um, and I usually when I hit send on that, I'm like fully ready for the season to start. I haven't hit send on it yet. I'm going to do that this weekend. Uh, but like once that happens, I'll, I'll be be fully ready to go. And like you said, with the fans being back, like that's going to be awesome. You know, it felt weird to see, you know, a guy score 80 yard touchdown or you get a pick six or it's a big hit. And there was just like no reaction. Just, you know, you, you'd hear a couple woos from teammates, but like you didn't hear like, the, the 90,000, 100,000 people screaming uh, for a cool event. So I'll be definitely happy to have that back. Yeah, the content game suffered too. Like, good chunk of our output on Saturdays is fans acting wild and out. So mm-hmm. um, that'll be good to have back. Are you going to get to any games this year? I know we're very busy on weekends, but I don't know if there's any, like, homecoming or anything you try and get away for one Saturday a year. What, what's good with that? So Michigan State's at Northwestern Friday night. Uh, on the September 3rd. So I'm going to try to get to that. Um, it's the day before the first full football Saturday. Uh, so I, I've been debating it back and forth in terms of if I should go. Um, I haven't seen a regular season game of theirs in years. Uh, so um, I'm probably going to pull the trigger. I haven't yet. I probably should. Um, and, you know, probably just get a couple tickets, take the wife. It'll be a, uh, should be a nice evening right there on the lake. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, we could Uber up there together. I might. I didn't even know about that uh, that game on the schedule. I haven't looked too closely yet, but uh, I might try and get up there for that. It's fun going to like those Friday night games at Northwestern. I think I went to the Ohio State one a few years back, but that'll be a cool opportunity, uh, like you said, to see your guys play in the regular season. You know, I'm sure it just got got old watching them in Cotton Bowls and Big Ten championships and stuff. No, not at all. <laughs> but it, I just haven't seen them. You know, I, I think the last time I actually did see them in person was. Uh, the Alabama situation in the playoffs, and so I haven't uh, seen him. Is that the Cotton Bowl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. What I, so I, I haven't seen him since. Obviously, that did not go well. Um, but you know, just with our jobs, it's kind of hard to see them. You know, just on a regular basis or just a random, you know, day. And so, if I have the chance to do it, I probably should take advantage. Yeah, I think I'm going to try and catch the Illinois Nebraska game. It's just kind of too convenient, you know, um, right. being the only game that day. So we don't need a, a ton of support in Chicago, I think. So that'll be a fun one. Um, try and get down there. Excited to see what the vibe is like after a year off. Um, so TBD on that one, but uh, H we've got a little more football talk coming up. Cause there was some news this week um, with Ohio state quarterback commit Quinn Ewers saying he's going to reclassify join Ohio state a year early to be honest. Like I've kind of backed off following recruiting since I was uh, in college, you know, it's just a lot to take in and and monitor. So I wasn't really aware of this situation until it popped up. That makes me a bad BTN employee. So be it. But uh, the hair caught my attention, you know, it's got a pretty epic mullet puts Mike Gundy to shame and sounds like he's going to be in that quarterback room this year. Right. He filmed me in the situation. Um, saw he's, he's joining the squad this season. Yeah, it's weird because there was supposed to be a, a three-man race for that QB job to replace Justin Fields, and uh, no one really knew who it was going to be, but it was a whole bunch of young, talented guys, and now you had you know, the number one guy in the 22 class uh, who decided to reclassify and join Ohio State this fall. And I think it's really interesting to see uh, the fact that they have so many four- and five-star guys battling for one spot. Um, and I just don't remember, I, mean, I don't think it's ever happened, but normally you see guys early enroll, so they'll graduate in December, join the team in January, go through all the conditioning stuff, get to know the playbook, but you never see it a full year in advance. You see it in basketball sometimes, a guy reclassified, but you don't see it in football. And I know just for me, I, I couldn't imagine skipping a whole year of high school, or maybe a semester, but not a whole year. And so the fact that he's willing to do that, you know, I think, uh, you know, kind of goes to show how good he is, how competitive he is. And I think NIL has a big uh, is a big reason for it as well. Um, and the fact that he can wind up making money, you know, based off of his talent, based off his look, based off of the school he went to. Um, you know, we'll see, you know, how, you know, him entering that that room and that competition affects everybody else. I would I would think CJ Stroud still has the upper hand considering he's, you know, coming in you know really fresh but you know it, it'll be something to look for for sure and then you wonder if that'll set off you know a chain of reaction of other guys doing it in the future yeah geez we didn't even think about or bring up nil i didn't even have it written down because like it, it's been <laughs> beaten to death i feel like as far as a headline goes and and to be honest it's like not that intriguing of a topic for me like i'm happy that the players got the bag I always have kind of advocated for that um but like for me when it was just dissected so much a month ago or whenever that that I think it was July 1st when those laws went into effect. I was just like, all right, tired of hearing about it. Like, just let the players get their money and let's let's keep it moving. 
Um, obviously when it factors into a storyline or, or, you know, Nick Saban says like our, our backups making a million or something like that, you know, it's, it's relevant, but I don't, I don't think we need to rehearse the NIL news, but um, in this situation, yeah, it probably definitely played a, a factor into it. And I was going to ask, I mean, it seems like what also could have maybe been a factor in the decision is just that uncertainty, right? Like field is gone, kind of an open competition. Uh, you mentioned CJ Stroud's name. That was the name that I was familiar with going into the season, just kind of figured that he would ultimately win the job. Like does, does yours have a chance to, to play? Do you think, I don't know, you know, <laughs> how much, uh, tape you've watched in this guy or like how you know unprecedented this would be for a 17 18 year old to come in you mentioned with no spring workouts nothing like that with the squad so um i don't know what do you think is it is it possible i mean i'd be really surprised I, I, it's just so unprecedented it's hard to say um and then Those you just wonder no right about college football it's like not just isn't done usually right and and i just think it's, it's so interesting because you already have a situation now where people are using the transfer portal constantly, right? And so you wonder if a guy who was a four or five star, he loses the job to a guy who's a freshman or a sophomore. Does he want to sit two or three years or does he just go in the portal? And you wonder with a guy like like him, you know, does he, you know, say he doesn't win the job, say it's CJ Shroud or Jack Miller, it's a freshman that wins the job essentially. Does he want to wait two to three years? Or can he just transfer somewhere else and play right away? Like, I, you know, the fact that he's willing to do this now, I think, means he's really confident in his ability um, in addition to the NIL. And so I, I'm just really curious to see how this is going to play out because, you know, the, I would think if he could have waited a year, kind of gets a better uh, understanding of the landscape, maybe he enrolls early, kind of gets a, a jump for 2022. But to do it now, that's wow. I mean, Tate Martell is already off the market. Sorry, Buckeyes fans. I know, I know they really want him back. Uh, all right. H, before we get to my favorite topic, Big Ten NBA crossover with the draft wrapping up a week ago. Got to give you the opportunity to bring up any Big Ten football headlines I might have missed or anything you're looking forward to. I feel like we'll do at least another episode before the season so we can like actually give some preview thoughts and all that. But is there anything I'm glossing over? Uh, you know, Surprise, surprise, we talked to Ohio State off the top, but uh, anything else throughout the league? Um, I think, you know, we've kind of hit on the big stuff. You know, we've talked, you know, the, the football playoff proposal. We've talked a little bit about NIL, uh, which I think is awesome and hilarious how people are, are getting these deals. And um, oh, there's some, you know, I, I there's some doozies give, out there. Yeah, absolutely. I want to give a shout out to a, a Michigan State podcast. When, as soon as it went live, they immediately – just tried to seek out guys on the team and just pay them just to say that they paid them um, to <laughs> to listen to their podcast. And it was basically stuff like, hey, you should listen to, you know, the Locked On podcast. I know I haven't listened to it, but I'm sure it can't be awful. Like stuff like that. And like they would, you know, pay like the kicker or like an incoming freshman uh, to do that stuff. So just seeing stuff like that and like guys getting money just off of that, I think is awesome. Um, but overall, uh, I do think I know we talked about like the calendar kind of opening back up but at the same time, some some cities and some states are starting to put some mandates back in because of COVID and the variant that's coming. And I know at a certain point, I think Kevin Warren talked about this immediate day, you know, what the COVID protocols could be for 2021 if guys, you know, wind up, uh, you know, catching it again, if guys aren't vaccinated and I'll kind of be 
they haven't come out with the protocol yet in terms of if they're going to be any forfeits or if there's going to be any contact tracing, things like that. I know the NFL is having some issues with that. So um, I think by the time we do this again, we might have a, a clearer picture of what that might look like. like. I think it'd be really, really interesting if you get, you know, Wisconsin, Iowa or something or, you know, Nebraska, Iowa, whatever the case is. And like a team has to forfeit the game because of, you know, COVID. Like we didn't have that last year. So I'll be curious to see what that's like this year, especially since it seems like the Big Ten is kind of allowing schools and states to do their own thing. And there hasn't been like one universal protocol like it was a year ago. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like going into the summer that this was all going to be behind us. Um, unfortunately, not the case just with the trends country. Uh, hopefully, obviously, no disruptions and we can all keep the communities safe that our teams play in. So um, hoping for the best on that front. And, you know, you talked about NIL again as we shift to our other topic here. And it was a big factor in the decision, I believe, for at least some of our guys in the Big Ten to decide whether to stay in the NBA draft or come back to school. Um, I'm just going to rattle off some names of, of prominent guys who came back to play. And I think college basketball is in a really great spot. A lot of, a lot of dudes across the country came back, um, you know, prominent March guys. You got your Johnny Juzang. Um, you got, why am I blanking on? Oh, Timmy from Gonzaga. He's back. Um, you know, big time final four names. And then in our league, you got Hunter Dickinson, Travion Williams, Geo Baker, EJ Liddell all coming back. And then Kofi was the guy. Uh, from Illinois, who I think utilized NIL the most publicly. Um, at least, you know, that was kind of the theory as to why he put his name in the transfer portal. Gave me a heart attack for a couple weeks there when he was flirting with Kentucky a little bit, uh, but ended up ultimately back at Illinois. And I, I get like that decision. I think I was trying to explain to people. Some people were like, Are Illinois fans like going to welcome Kofi back? I'm like, Are you serious? Yeah, they're going to welcome him back. Like the second team All American, you know massive dude who averaged damn near 20 and 10 last year, of course they're going to welcome him back. So um, that's not even a question. And I understand why he put his name in the transfer portal. If he wanted to maximize his NIL value, Uh, it was right around the day when he had to officially withdraw his name. And since he made that decision, it seems like pretty late in the process. He didn't really have time to maybe field some offers to be at Illinois. If he was going to stay there from, whoever wanted to pay him, you know, as, as a fan or donor or whatever to, to endorse their products. So um, I'm sure, you know, maybe that had something to do with it. And then once he kind of felt out the process of, okay, if I went here, this could factor into my decision. Or if I stay, this could factor into my decision to stay. Uh, he ultimately ended up staying. So I don't know how you felt about that, but it was a big headline, I think, throughout college basketball. And especially, you know, I had to bring it up because I feel like I was checking every day to see what he was going to do. Yeah, no, I, I definitely was surprised that – well, I wasn't surprised he declared for the draft. But then when I heard he was in the portal, I thought that was weird. And then when he wound up doing all that just to go back to Illinois, I thought it was weird, but it made the most sense. Like, I didn't think it made sense for him to go anywhere else. Um, you know, he was already established with the Illini, had a great year there. Uh, he'll be featured even more this year. Uh, so – you know, I think it, it's definitely good for the league and good for Illinois that he stayed. Um, I definitely – I thought the whole saga was weird just from my outsider perspective. You know, I didn't – obviously I had no 
idea of, of what was going on behind the scenes, just kind of seeing it from afar. I was kind of like, huh, he did all that just to stay. It's like, okay, but that's, I think it's a win-win for everybody involved. Well, um, if you look at it, like from kind of how NBA players do it, this kind of comparison just came to me. Like I kind of view it as like Chris Paul opting out of his existing, you know, option, his $44 million option to then renegotiate a, $120 million deal like he did for a few more years. Like, it just seems like, you know, an opportunity to maybe leverage your time on campus now that NIL is in play and maybe make the incentive a little more strong for the uh, surrounding area to want to keep you, if that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. I can certainly see that. And I think in the case of uh, like a Hunter Dickinson, I know he mentioned uh, NIL was a big reason why he stayed, uh, EJ Liddell as well. Um, and I think in the case of Dickinson, since he was a freshman, he didn't get the full experience because of COVID. So like he didn't get to play in front of fans. He wasn't out, you know, after a huge game as an All-American, like getting all the love on campus. Like he didn't get that kind of stuff. And I know that was part of the reason why he said he, he wanted to come back. You know, obviously, I know EJ Liddell has been in school for a while, but he hasn't been in school with fans as the man. And so... I'd be curious to see what that's like in Columbus. He leads them, you know, big game over Michigan or whatever, or Wisconsin, Michigan State, whoever it winds up being, and, you know, to, to go be celebrated, to go get, you know, some kind of deal from a Columbus, whoever, you know, I think, you know, the fact that you can make money now, like you don't have to go to the draft and, you know, hope that you get picked and latch onto the team and try to get a two-way deal or something like that. If you, don't get drafted like you can just be the man on campus and get paid that way I think it's awesome you bring up Dickinson and I think it was just yesterday that he was in um I don't know if it was like a clubhouse type deal or uh you know, some sort of audio chat room with I, I think it was Ant Wright and he said something about uh how no one likes Illinois fans and I just like how you know now there's um a few villains emerging I think just in the Big Ten and I use that term you know endearingly because I think it's good for rivalries right like we had Jordan Bohannon who's also back uh getting in some snipes on Twitter um last year and then Dickinson as well especially when him and Marcel were going back and forth it's like Dickinson just doesn't care like he's like the heel and leans into that role I don't know your thoughts on that but I think it's always good when uh there's you know some in-conference animosity between the players as long as it remains good spirited yeah I I like heels who who purposely want to be heels. Like, I don't like guys who think they're, oh, I'm a good guy. I don't know why people don't like me. And, like, you do stuff where people don't like you. Like, I, I enjoy, yeah. yeah, like, I enjoy the guys who play into being the heel. Look, I'm the guy. You know, I love shutting you up. But it's all on the court. It's all fun. We talk a little trash on Twitter, but it's, you know, nothing crazy. You know, nothing that steps over the line. Like, I think that's fun. And like, oh, yeah. you know, I got reminded of that. Obviously, it's, you know, different. Those NBA, like Trey Young played into that brilliantly throughout the playoffs. And it made it even more fun as he, you know, beat the Knicks and like beat Philly and people hated him. And he just played into it, take a bow after, you know, you know, finishing the team off. Like that stuff's fun. And like, I'm glad we're getting some of that in this league. Yeah, so I wish one of the reasons I wish Marcel would have stayed to kind of continue that rivalry because they're really, I don't know, they're really going at it on Twitter after that Big Ten tournament. And you're right, Trey Young is refreshing a breath of fresh air because, like, one of the reasons I've soured on KD, um, just personality wise, because the dude 
can't take a joke. He's just, just like sensitive about everything. And, and, um, you know, I like when guys are able to remember the fun side of sports and, and play into that rivalry into it a little bit. So, uh, it's, it's good. Dickinson's back. It's good for the league. Good. Kofi's back. Travion, all these guys, EJ. Um, I want to list off the names who are going elsewhere. Like Marcel, like Wiggins from Maryland got drafted. Wees camp got drafted as well. Uh, Dwayne Washington, Aaron Henry did not get drafted, but they'll get a shot. I'm sure in summer league, uh, I don't have the teams in front of me where they're at right now, but, um, I don't know. Any of those surprise you? Any of the draft uh, scenarios surprise you? There was one scenario that really surprised me in the NBA draft because it was a name that was not on my radar at all. Uh, I don't know if you were on the same page there, but any surprises that jump out as far as guys uh, leaving early for the league? Um, I was surprised to see uh, Delano Banton get picked for Nebraska. Um, You know, like when you watched him play, you're like, okay, he's got some game. Like, you know, he's, you know, tall, lanky, can handle a little bit, but I didn't see him as like an NBA player per se, but kudos to him, uh, you know, for, for getting drafted and hopefully he uh, can wind up making the Raptors and, you know, having a great career. Um, I was a little surprised to see Aaron Henry not get drafted. I thought he'd be like a, a early to mid second round pick and he didn't Damn. wind up getting picked at all. Um, I thought that was interesting, um, but I know he got a two way in Philly so I hope that works out for him. I think that's a good fit. Um, obviously, they need a guy who can, uh, you know, play some defense, uh, you know, kind of be a jack-of-all-trades guy, and I think he can be that. Um, and I saw, yeah, saw Aaron Wiggins got picked by the Thunder. Don't know if he sticks there or not, but, you know, I was looking, and, you know, it's the fourth straight year. Maryland's had a guy selected in the draft, which is the, the longest streak in the league right now. So, um, you know, kudos to Maryland for continually putting out pros and, um, you know, shout out to Iowa for getting two guys picked. Um, you know, it's been a long, long time since that's, since that's happened. Um, and, you know, some Pistons love. I'm a homer, so I had to, you know, show a little love, a little Big Ten flavor in the second round with Isaiah Livers and, and Luca going there. Um, I wonder if uh, our old colleague, John Beeline, had anything to do with that or not. But, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, doing player development with them now, so – you know, hopefully those two can stick. They're boys too. Have you seen, I don't know if you saw this, but we had cats, uh, Andy cats do an interview with those two side by side yesterday and we shared it and you know, they're just, it's like a, a bromance going on. You know, they're dapping each other up, you know, arms around each other. Uh, it's like they never had any heated competitions on the court. You know, they, they like, they're just totally leaning into the, uh, the big 10 buddies angle here as teammates on the Pistons, which is awesome. Um, I don't like I didn't know much about Luca like off the court or anything, but like from what I can recall, like he just always seemed like a good dude in interviews and like he seemed, you know, pretty humble and stuff. Like I know on the court, you know, he's he's flexing and he's, you know, pumping his chest, but like, look, you're national player of the year. I mean, you can be allowed to do that. Uh, but just from everything I can recall about livers, you know, just being, you know, growing up in Michigan, like everybody said like he was a really, really good dude. And so it's not surprising that, you know, that's carried over. And you know, I'm sure he's had many a talks, you know, with Luca as they've battled for four years. So, um, you know, hopefully they can both stick. Yeah, I was surprised only one Big Ten player went in the first round. Um, and I was surprised with with uh, Banton as well. Like, little inside the process behind the scenes here. Last few NBA drafts, pretty much as I've worked here, you know, we'll try and do a little shout-out, a uh, little content package for – each player that gets drafted, tag the, their new teams, all that, give 
the new fan base is a chance to see some highlights. And so we had stuff ready for like five or six of these guys we thought would get drafted. But they called Banton's name. I was like, oh no, what, you know, what do we got on, on Delano Banton here? What's going on? Uh, I was like, Delano, I was like, wait a minute, Delano Banton. And obviously I remember him and, and he was a good player. And like you said, a lot of upside, but we had nothing prepared, uh, prepared for him to go out on social media. And then it turns out he's the one who probably has the most sauce now and, and, and most clout. Cause he's posing with Drake. Drake puts him on his Instagram story, scratches out the Adidas on his Nebraska Jersey. Cause he's a Nike guy. Um, poses with them in, in Toronto. So they drafted the the Toronto Sun. And I probably waited my whole career for a Drake Big Ten crossover in any kind, right? Like, we haven't had anything where he's doing layup lines with Kentucky and all that. Uh, you know, any of these memes where Drake ends up crossing over in the sports world. So it hit me at the most unexpected time. And all of a sudden, we got Drizzy shouting out Big Ten players, and and I wasn't even expecting him to go. So it was just a lot of a lot of emotions in a whirlwind for me when this man got drafted at number 46 overall. Yeah, that, that again, that definitely, definitely surprised me. Like if you would have asked me if he would have gotten drafted before Luca Garza, uh, I definitely would not have, uh, <laughs> would not have pegged that. But again, you know, shout out to him, you know, Toronto's son going home. So, you know, get to hang out with Drake full time now, you know, since he's with the Raptors. So, you know, shout out to him, you know, wish him the best going forward. And we have not brought up the biggest story, at least personally for me, of draft night. Io slipping out of the first round, but it all works out. I kept saying as they got in the 30s, I'm like, all right, the Knicks have already passed on him. The Thunder have passed on him a couple of times. The Bulls are sitting there at 38. And, you know, if they pass on him at 38, I don't know if I'll be able to be a Bulls fan. Like, that's a little hyperbole, but, um, you know, I am a Bulls fan. They haven't given me many reasons to watch over the last few years ever since kind of the D Rose era, um, even the Jimmy Butler era, it all kind of fell apart and kind of uh, followed them from afar. I'm all the way back in on the bulls. Now I can't believe that in the span of what, three months that I watched big 10 stars slip to my favorite Chicago teams, right? Watching the NFL draft as we get to pick seven, pick eight, pick nine, like maybe Justin Fields is going to be there at 11. Same thing in the 30s with the Bulls. Maybe Io is going to be there. And then the fact that they did the right thing and took those players, it's like um, you know a complete 180. Because for a while for me, like the Chicago team that was doing the right thing on the field was the Cubs. The same week they're disintegrating, trading everybody. I now have Justin Fields to look forward to and the Bears and Io to look forward to on the Bulls. And the Bulls adding actually some real free agents this year. So... That was just wild to me and, and just the homecoming story, the kind of storybook ending to his Illinois career there was overall just a really heartwarming story. Great PR for U of I too to be really, really embedded now in the Chicago market. Like the Bulls don't really have U of I connections outside of Kendall Gill. So it, it was awesome. Yeah, I definitely thought about a lot of Illinois people once that happened. Um, you know, I was talking with my buddy who um, used to work at Big Ten and you know, obviously he's a huge Bulls fan. So he's like, oh man, like I L falling, like that's a cool story. Like, how about that? I'm like, yeah, that's a, that's a great landing spot for him. If you're not gonna get drafted in the first round, you at least get drafted by the hometown team. So you like you you know the area, you know the facilities, you know, all that kind of stuff. And like your family can watch you play now, like you just drive up and it's and it's great, you know. So I, I was really happy for him. Um, that's a not a bad constellation prize at all. Uh, to wind up playing for your hometown team. 
Yeah, you talked about Iowa. Been a while since they have had two guys drafted. I know it had been, I think, since 2015 since they had one guy drafted. Um, so good to see Iowa and Illinois get back on the, the draft board there. Um, at least from my Twitter feed, I think Illinois fans and media need a little more practice at watching the NBA draft and not freaking out. Um, not all media, but I just saw a lot of people watching what was probably their first NBA draft in a while. They're like, how can so-and-so be slipping? I'm sure you know maybe some Iowa fans felt the same way about Garza and Wee's camp, but it's like, this is the NBA draft. It's probably 60% upside they're drafting on. Relax, your favorite player is not always going to go high in the draft. He's going to get a chance to prove it on the court. And then it all worked out when Iowa went to the Bulls and, and the tenor on Twitter changed completely positive. So it's just like, maybe this will come with more success and more guys getting drafted, but chill out and just let the process play out. See, I didn't know that was happening. Um, I guess I'm, it was, I'm, it was a mess. <laughs> that would have been fun to see uh, looking back, but. Um, I guess I'm used to like Michigan State guys slipping in the draft. So not, it's not the brand. Like, we just had so many guys, you know. No, just, just like you know, you get a first team All American, you know, all time assist leader. He goes in the fifties, you know, with catches and like seeing Draymond go thirty fifth and have the career he's had and, and stuff like that. So like I know for whatever reason, like guys just don't. Not all of them, obviously, but like. I'm, I'm kind of used to guys who are really good at Michigan State not get drafted probably where they should. You know, guys who stay for longer and, you know, just that stigma. If you stay three or four years, something must be wrong with you. So, you know, you might have your, your upside might be limited. Like you kind of are who you are at 21 or 22, which is ridiculous. But that's kind of the way it's been. And so, you know, hopefully guys like Luca and Io and, uh, Wee's camp and, and Wiggins guys who have, you know, stayed three or four years can prove those guys wrong. All right. We're going to close the loop now, uh, before we wrap up H, we got to bring up one more potential reclassifying situation here. And again, this is, this is the game that big 10 fans got to play when they got the big boys coming in the conference and we need more of this NBA talent potentially in the league. You know, you see guys from other leagues getting drafted. You see us going without a title since 2000, What's the deal with Amani Bates, man? Like, I, I just saw a headline yesterday that, that MSU's back in the mix. I know he was committed there for a while. There's a lot of uh, inside stuff going on. What, what are you hearing on the ground? Like, because that would be amazing if he spent his one year in, in East Lansing. Yeah, that, this whole thing's weird because I had, you know, mentally just checked out on the Bates thing after. Well, even before he decommitted, it kind of sounded like it was heading that way. Um, and so I'm like, okay, well, whatever. Um you know, best of luck to him in the G League. And so then I hear, you know, it's uh, it's down to, you know, Memphis, or he he's going to reclassify, so he'll be on campus uh, this fall if he decides to go to college. And it's between Memphis, uh, Oregon, and Michigan State if he does, or he could still go to the G League, which I think he'll probably still wind up doing. But, you know, I thought it was weird to commit as early as he did and I was like, that's really weird. Like, I don't know why he would do that. And then to wind up decommitting only to put Michigan State back in your top three, the, the whole process is, is really strange to me. Um, you know, there's there's all kind of rumors out there in terms of, you know, he and, and Izzo talked and, you know, kind of, you know, patched some things up and there's a chance that he can come. But then there's the – the thing where him and I think the other top player in the class 
both potentially announcing and playing together at Memphis. And so there, there's a lot of lot of rumors out there right now. But, you know, I think with NL, NIL passing, like, I think he has a chance to make a ton of money in college. Um, just the fact that he would be on TV so much, no matter what school he goes to. Like if he went to Memphis and he's under Penny, like I'm sure they would, even though they're in the American, like they would get, you know, a ridiculous non-conference schedule and be on TV all the time. Obviously, if he's at Michigan State, you know, they play a ridiculous schedule every year and he'll be, you know, showcased for sure um, with a pretty young team. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see kind of where he winds up. You know, I definitely was checked out mentally, but, you know, I guess I have to kind of read up on some more rumors and see if there's any truth to them. Yeah, and that whole explanation you just gave is, is exactly why, you know, I try to stay away from recruiting as much as possible. And especially now with the transfer portal stuff, like that's its own thing and its own recruiting saga. And you know, like I used to write about it in college and it was just like impossible to keep up with. You can't keep up with the whims of, of, you know, teenagers, especially when I didn't really give context to the question, but Monty Bates is like your, your Kevin Durant prodigy, you know, guy who's going to be one and done for sure. Can go anywhere. Uh, has the, the added layers of, you know, he went to his own like prep school, his own school. that was like built around him. There's a whole like lot of layers here. So uh, <laughs> just that whole it's landscape, lot, man. Like I just, lot. just get him on for me. I'm like to the point. It's like just when they get on campus, then I'll get excited and into it. Like otherwise I can't get sucked in too deep. No, I agree. And, and the thing with Bates too, is like he's really young for his grade too. So like there's a chance where, if he went to college, he might have to stay for two years because he wouldn't be old enough to right. enter the draft uh, by reclassifying early. So then it's the whole, like, would he actually do that or would, like, he try to, you know, challenge the NBA to change the, the age limit so he can come in earlier? Like, there, there's, again, like, there's a whole lot of layers to this thing. Um, so I'd be curious to see how it turns out. But clearly, you know, classes start, you know, in the next couple months, next month, really. So you figure it's going to have to come quick. Yep. Good, good summary for, uh, for those up there who need their Imani Bates fix. Maybe, maybe, we'll, you know, who knows? We'll get a surprise, but uh, I'm sure you'd, you would not be mad at that. Um, no, not at all. All right, H we've, we've caught up on a lot. You know, we had to catch up on a lot because we were twisting in the wind for a couple of months here with no podcast, but we are back. We'll get this going on a semi-regular basis again. Um, you know, maybe maybe we'll get another sponsor like we we have had with our friends at Northwestern SPS. So that'll that'll motivate us. You know, we'll have to do them at that point. So, uh, you know, just throwing that out in the universe. Maybe that'll uh, get some sponsorship dollars flowing again. And um, if not, either way, we're still gonna crank these out and still gonna talk Big Ten sports. So plenty to talk about coming up. We will keep it rolling. Appreciate you jumping on. Enjoy what's left of your summer, and hopefully we'll get on before we kick off here in two or three weeks. Yeah, definitely good to be back. Looking forward to it. It was funny that we actually decided to do it today because uh, today is officially eight years since I've been at the network now. Oh, congrats. Um, yeah, so it's it was weird. Keep clapping. Um, the fact that I remember the first day was literally, hey, fill out some paperwork and get on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, it, it was kind of a way you go from there so I, I was thrown right into the fire so the fact that we're talking tour today we're talking football today you know it's kind of a nice reminder of man i've been here a long time yeah happy eighth btm birthday i'm coming up on five 
not quite five, maybe four and a half in my current role, but I started bottom, bottom of the totem pole and, uh, and now I'm slightly higher at the bottom. So, uh, you, you, you working up, man. You working. Well, <laughs> sure. So five years, uh, eight years getting old, but, uh, it's a lot of fun. We'll, we'll keep it rolling and we'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good, man. All right. Thanks to Harold and Malcolm once again for joining the show. Glad to get back in the swing of things. Uh, get back behind the mic and continue to uh, churn these episodes out after, I believe our last one was end of May. So hopefully everyone had a good summer after uh, that break from podcasting for a while. But we'll get back into it. Hopefully a semi-regular groove here going forward. I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about as uh, a hopefully normal season will unfold and don't have to deal with cancellations, empty stadiums, anything like that. Positive vibes only. And we will uh, keep moving into the Big Ten sports calendar. All right. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. If you are not a subscriber, you can subscribe to the show, like and rate and review it on the podcast platforms where the show is found. Talking Apple Podcasts, Google Play, our Google Podcasts, as it's now known, Spotify, Podbean, and we are on YouTube as well. You can watch this interview our uh, guests, this guest, Malcolm, and going forward, future guests on the Big Ten Network YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe to that channel and then find the Take 10 podcast playlist. Super easy and fun to see the guests doing the interviews, in my opinion. So do that if you haven't already. Um, one last shout out to Wes White for stitching the show together this week. And we'll get back to you hopefully real soon here on the Take 10 podcast.